0: Hey friends, I'm Brad Livingston, lead pastor here at Transformation Church. I want to personally welcome you to our podcast. At TC, we exist to see people transform from who they are to who God wants them to be. So no matter where you are on your faith journey, I hope today's message inspires you to take one step closer to Christ. Good morning, good morning, good morning. How are you guys doing today? Good? Awesome. It is so good to see you all beautiful people. Turn to the next person next to you and say, you look good today. Listen, you sounded like you were lying when you said at that time. Just tell them with some joy in your heart. Say, you look good today. There you go. Now they believed you. That last time felt like sympathetic or something. So listen, we're super excited. My name is Brad Livingston. I have the tremendous honor and love to be the lead pastor of this amazing church and you awesome people. And so, um, man, we're, we're super pumped to be in the heart of the house series. And how many guys have been enjoying the series so far, right? And so um, the the series is awesome because it really lets us go through what we call our code. Now, maybe some of you have worked in the corporate world and, and you've had uh, been a part of a company that had core values. This is kind of like core values. For us, our code is the 11 things that we filter through. It's, it's how we uh, activate our mission. It's how we know we're on track with what we're aiming to accomplish. It's how we communicate what's important to us. And so um, we've been working our way through that. And today, We're going to continue on with one of our uh, codes, and man, I'm just excited to be able to do it. If you want to follow along, obviously, we've got our paper notes that are in your worship guides. If you want to follow along digitally, you can actually text uh, the word notes to 62488, and you can actually follow along on your smartphone. So if you'd rather do that on your phone, go for it. Just text notes to 62488. All right, guys. So something new we're trying to make sure that you guys get everything you need, and man, let's... Let's get into it today. So today, the code is this idea that this is a search and rescue mission. Turn to your neighbors. Say search and rescue. This is a search and rescue mission. So I had a, uh, I had read the story about this famous surfer named Peter Johansson, and so Peter was an amazing surfer, like a championship surfer. He had won like all the championships in the world, um, and so he was from Hawaii. And so he was uh, in, this, in this surfing competition uh, off of the coast of South, uh, South America. And as he was getting ready for his last run, so he pretty much had the competition won, right? And as he was getting ready for his last run of the day, out of nowhere, a shark comes out of the water and bites a surfboard. And so he falls into the water and is fighting to just try to get away and um, finally puts a surfboard between him and the shark and gets uh, unlashed from his surfboard. And about that time, a jet ski comes by, he hops on it, hauls him away, hauls him to the coast. How many of y'all know it was wraps for that day? Y'all know what I'm talking about? Like, we're, we're done. I don't care if I come in last. I'm not surfing anymore today. So he gets done with that competition. About a month later, he's got another one. So he goes to this next competition. And as he goes to this competition, he's getting ready for his very first run of the day. Guess what happens? Shark attack. This time the shark knocks him off his surfboard. Uh, and as the wave is, about, is crashing, the shark uh, goes to bite him, breaks the skin, but it doesn't, it's not disastrous. He has to get a few stitches in his leg. But um, how many you know, he didn't finish that competition either. If it were me, we're done. I know what I'm going to go get a po' boy on the beach. i to eat this sandwich while y'all surf, okay? That's how that's going to go. But he decides at that point, he's already won every competition he can win. He says, you know what? I think I'm done surfing. And if it were me, it would have only taken the first shark attack for me to be done surfing. But whatever. It took two for him. Some people don't catch on as quickly. Don't bump your spouse. That wasn't a good time for that, okay? So. But so he... He decided not to do it. So then he decides, you know what, I'm going to become, because surfing had been so much a part of his life, he couldn't just not do it anymore. And so he's decided he was going to become a lifeguard and a surfing coach and give lessons and those kinds of things. So that's what he committed his life to. But when you go from being the champion of the world to just giving lessons, how many of y'all know there's some money separation that happens? Y'all know what I'm talking about? Like that fifth week kind of money separation. You know, you can be good for four weeks, but on that week that that feels like there's five weeks before payday, that ramen week. Y'all know what I'm talking about? When you can only get saltine crackers because Ritz is out of your budget for the week. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Okay. So he, he, he found out the hard way that sometimes it was a difference in what he was bringing in financially. And what he found is that being in the, the shark-infested waters, because how many of y'all know there's always sharks in the ocean, right? It wasn't like sharks weren't a new thing. His awareness of how bad the sharks were was a new thing. And sometimes in our life, we know that there's always problems around us, but sometimes they get a little too close to home. Sometimes when we're, go, we're always going through something, amen? Hey, everybody, there's, we're always going through something, right? But how many of y'all know? Sometimes the battle lasts too long. Sometimes you feel like you've been in it and you're, it's hitting a little closer to home than what you're used to, right? And so what happens if we're not careful is we'll let the battles of life take us out of the competition that we're in. Now, in this particular case for TC, the idea of a search and rescue mission, see for every code we have our phrase, this is a search and rescue mission, but then underneath that code we have a tagline. And our tagline for this is that we'll never let this lifeboat become a yacht club. You see, we're always on mission here at TC. If you're new and you haven't caught the other portions of this series, you walk around, you see people wearing these black shirts that say just one more on it. You see, just one more is really the code that all the other codes kind of work around. Because here at TC, we'll do whatever it takes to reach just one more person for Jesus because we'll spare no expense and we'll go to any extent because they matter. So you've got a family member, you've got a mother or a brother or a father or a sister, you've got an aunt or an uncle, a cousin, you've got somebody in your family that's far from God, that doesn't know Jesus, and guess what? We as a church have committed to you that we'll go to any extent possible to make sure we reach them for Jesus because just one more is worth it. And so for that, it means that we're in a constant state of looking for the person that needs the next lifeboat. And we're not going to get so concerned with chandeliers and diamonds. We're going to become more concerned with life jackets and souls. And so we're constantly looking for who needs the next savior. That's the reason we came here. We could have went to a different building. We had had other options in front of us. But when we sat down and we said, you know what? We're going to go to the place where we can reach the most amount of people. Because we know people that won't walk in a church, but they'll walk in a movie theater for Jesus. And so we said, let's go. Now, I can't tell you my staff didn't look at me and roll their eyes and say, you are crazy when I brought this up. But look at God now. Can I get an amen? Hey, So what happens is we have to be constantly on mission. But how many of you guys know sometimes that mission can get exhausting? Well, let's go to 2 Kings chapter 13. That's where the, our story for today comes from. This portion of the Bible And to catch you up on what's happening in this story, King Jehoash is getting ready uh, to fight more battles. He's the king of Israel at the time. And Elisha, the prophet, God's man for that time, was at the end of his life. And so Elisha was constantly giving a prophetic word, helping the king of Israel. And and so God was giving Elisha knowledge and wisdom. And then he was helping lead the king. And and they were on a great journey together. But Elisha was at the end of his life. As a matter of fact, he's getting ready to die. And so King Jehoash is, is eating up about it because not only is he about to lose Elisha, uh, probably a friend, but how many of you guys know he's about to lose a resource and he was, he needed Elisha. And so when we go to chapter 13 verses 14 through 20, that's where we're picking up. Jehoash goes to Elisha and he says, I need help. And so this is where we go. Elisha, and then Elisha said, get a bow and some arrows. And Jehoash did so. He said, take the bow in your hands When he had taken it, Elisha put his hands on the king's hands. He said, open the east window. So he opened it. Elisha said, shoot. And he shot the Lord's, and then Elisha said, the Lord's arrow of victory, the arrow of victory over Aram. And so Elisha declares that. And so Jehoash is receiving that word. So essentially what happened is is, uh, Elisha is declaring over Jehoash that as you shot that arrow, God is speaking to me, telling me to tell you, you're going to have victory over the next battle that you go into. So then Elisha declared, you will completely destroy the Arameans. Then he said, take the arrows and the king took them. And Elisha said, I want you to strike the ground. So he struck it three times and stopped. Say three times. That matters, okay? So struck it three times and stopped. The man of God was angry with him and said, you should have struck the ground five or six times. Then you would have defeated Aram and completely destroyed it. But now you'll defeat them only three times. And then Elisha died and was buried. You see, how many of us have gone through different seasons in life where God has given you strength, he's given you inspiration, he's giving you what you need to continue through different battles that you're encountering, to go through different seasons where you feel like you're fighting against something. And sometimes, how many guys will admit, it feels like you're fighting it for a long time and you're in there and, and how many of us are honest with ourselves to say, sometimes we stop short of what God wants to fulfill for us. It's not that God can't do it. It's that sometimes we get weary in the middle of the war. And what happens here is Jehoash takes it in. When Elijah says strike the ground, he could have struck the ground six times, but he stopped at three. He could have struck at five. And so we have to assume that he naturally had five or six arrows, but he stopped at three because it wasn't about fulfilling the purpose It was about just doing what the prophet said. Now, for us, what happens is if we're not careful, we'll quit too early in our battles. And what I want you to understand today, as we go through this idea, because you may say, Pastor, what does this have to do with the search and rescue mission? Well, here's the deal. If you're going to be, actively rowing a lifeboat with us in this vision, if you're gonna be constantly pursuing after lost people, if you're gonna be making it your mission to take people who are going to hell and who are going to the pits of eternity and then move them into a lifeboat so we can take them to the glory of heaven forever, you had better be ready and know that the enemy has a plan for you. If you're going to do something great, there's always going to be an enemy ready to stop you from moving forward. And so what we want to talk to you today about is the realities of your search and rescue. Because as you rescue people, your battles increase. How many of you know you don't get greater purpose without coming against greater obstacles? And so we want to talk to you about those battles. Anybody felt like you've been in a battle lately? Anybody felt like you just fighting a war, just got different things coming against you? Six of y'all, we're coming to live with y'all then. The rest of y'all are good. I said, how many of us know there's always something going on, right? And so, man, let's talk about the realities of first and rescue because the first thing you need to understand is that every fight has a predetermined number of battles. Every fight has a predetermined number of battles. You see, when God allows you, say allows, When God allows you to go into battle, because sometimes it feels like we're going into battle without knowing if he's behind us or not. Can I get, if we're honest with ourselves. Sometimes we feel like we're fighting and we don't even know whose side he's on. Now I'm peeking into some of y'all's prayer lives. The rest of y'all just ain't honest enough yet. I said, sometimes we feel like God forgot about, is this church thing even worth it? Because he ain't come through for me yet. My children still buck wild. My spouse done lost their mind. Everybody at work is dumber than a brick, but I get a pink slip. So I said, What we have to realize is that every fight that you're in, every war that you come across has a predetermined, God-ordained and pre-established number of battles you're gonna fight. The good news is there's not a battle coming that God hasn't already seen ahead of time. There's not a situation you're gonna come across that he hasn't already named victory over. There is nothing you can encounter that Jesus isn't already victorious in the situation. So what we have to realize is in the middle of our battle, we have to look to the one who's already taken victory over everything we're going to come against. We have to see that since there's already a predetermined, God has already set out the plan for how we're going to win this war. We just got to be close enough to him to hear how we're going to get there. Pastor Dan used to tell me the story over and over again story of Pastor Bert Clendenin where pastor walked, or walked into a church service. He heard that his mentor was preaching. So he was going through a certain situation in life. And quite frankly, he was in a battle. And so he went to Bert Clendenin. And, and as Bert was walking up onto the platform to preach, he never even said a word to Pastor Dan. But he turned around and he looked at him and he pointed a finger at him. And he said, you remember this. God doesn't start anything on earth he hadn't already finished in heaven. And hear me today, there's not a battle that you are going to come against in your life that God hasn't already taken victory of that battle in heaven. He's not going to start. He's not going to introduce you to. He's not going to lead you into. He's not going to let a battle happen that he's not already victorious over. Now, how many of you know sometimes it may look a little different? Like, God, I really want to turn left here. He said, no, keep going straight. That's a blinker. I know y'all from Florida. Y'all don't know what that means. I'm sorry. I should have. I'm kidding. I know y'all are good drivers. It's them out there. But we have to realize, man, that God is, John 16, talks about it. It says that I have told you these things so that in me you will have, say that word with me, peace. In this world Everything will be fine. You will encounter no problems, the Bible says, right? Everything will be butterflies and cotton candy for you. Life will be like pillows that you get to glide on. Is that what it says? In this world, you will have troubles. He says, but take heart. This is Jesus talking because I have overcome the world, he said. You see, when your battle is attached to the one who's already got victory, the victory's already yours. So we have to surrender to God. Number two is that you're going to need to know the person of God before you can wield the power of God. You're going to need to know the person of God before you wield the power of God. When we go to Matthew uh, 16, we see a story in the Bible where Jesus is coming before his disciples and as he's getting ready to come before his disciples, he actually starts talking to Peter, right? So Matthew 16, 15 through 19, it's in your notes. And So he's coming before his disciples and he says, hey, uh, wh- who do people say that I am? Who, who, are, who are people saying? And because in culture at that time, people were declaring that he was a magician. So people were saying he's a prophet. Some people, but no one was talking about him being the son of God. And so they were saying, some say that you're John the Baptist. Some say that you're a prophet. And says, he says, who do you say that I am? And this is where we pick up in verse 15. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter replied, because Simon Peter's always going to have a reply because he's always the loudest one in the bunch. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hasn't revealed this to you. In other words, people haven't told you of this, but my father in heaven has revealed this to you. And I tell you that you are now Peter, which means rock. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I will give you, The keys to the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. You see, you have to understand that before you can start, some of us are claiming our victories. We're claiming our blessings in Jesus' name without knowing the Jesus whose name we're claiming. And so we go, God, you're going to give me victory in Jesus' name, but we don't even, we haven't spent time with him. We don't know the person. You see, before I can invite my wife to go on a date, we had to interact. Before we could even get married, we had to know each other. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Now, where where are my married people out in the house? Just for, all right. Now, where are my people that have dated people for, had long relationships? You ain't got to think about it right now. I know it wasn't good. It's all right, it's all right. But how many of you know that that you become familiar with that person's habits as you get to know them, right? You become familiar with who they are. You start to know their tendencies. You start to know the things that drive them crazy. I call that the atomic button. Whenever you fight and you're like, oh, okay. But here's the thing. We have got to become familiar in a relationship with God before we start trying to wield the power of God. You see, some of us uh, have a relationship with God that looks kind of like this. Our our power and authority that comes from God is like a butter knife. It's dull and useless. Hear me today. Some, Some of our relationships with God is dull and useless. And when you get into battle, this is what you're trying to wield. Can I tell you something? The enemy ain't scared of your butter knife faith. The, you can't win victories in battle with butter knife authority. Matter of fact, our knowledge of the scripture is how we sharpen and gain our tools and how we're gonna fight in spiritual battles. You see, our, our weapons are not of this world, but our spiritual weapons are mighty and best. So what we have is we have faith and a relationship with God, but because we haven't honed it, because we haven't practiced it, because we haven't built it, we're trying to fight battles with a useless type of faith. What we should have though, let me just show you what we should have. We should have one of these bad boys. Now this is Pastor Justin's. This is from our complaint department. I like to call this bad boy HR. So But no what we what we should have, you see the sword the Bible says that we should have our sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. You see what we have to do, but even, even if you have the word of God, it doesn't mean you know how to use it. How many of y'all know I don't use this often? I was going to bring a gun, but in this political climate, this ain't the time. Okay, so I thought, but how many of y'all know if I went into battle with this, I'd look like some kind of, you know, something over here like. Just like some of us look trying to claim scripture, but not knowing God. Can't figure out why we're not winning in battle, but we haven't practiced with this kind of artillery before. You see, but the more that I become familiar with the sword that God has given us, which is the word, the more we can start to proclaim like Romans 8 31, where it says that if God stands for me, who can stand against me? When we go to Deuteronomy 20, verse four, where it says, for the Lord is my God. He is the one that goes with me to fight for me and against my enemies, he gives me victory. We go to Ephesians 6, verse 10, where it says, I will be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And as you're engaging in these battles, you're declaring the truth that comes from the sword, but it comes because you know the person who wrote the truth. You see, that takes us to Joshua 8, where he says that I have given them into your hand. God tells Joshua, and as he declares to us, that every battle you're going into, every war you're fighting, he's already given victory into your hands and no one will be able to stand against you. And you start becoming familiar with how to wield those scriptures, how to wield your sword, because you know the person of God, you can wield the power of God, 1 Corinthians 15, 57. But thanks be to God because he gives us. victory through Jesus Christ you see the more you start to know understand and declare the scriptures over your life you're starting to fight with real artillery now you see you're not strong enough to overcome the enemy but God is the victories you need in your life aren't going to come from you they're going to come through the Lord that's why freedom groups and small groups are so important I know we've been talking about it a lot Let me put that down carefully. So keep your kids away from over there, okay? That's why small groups and groups are so important to me. Because you need to be somewhere where you can be built up. Matter of fact, if you look at the end of your notes, you'll see there's more there than there's usually there. It talks about the small group information because we've even gone out of our way to make every small group. I don't care if you're playing basketball, bowling, or knitting and crocheting. It doesn't matter to me. We want to start asking questions and giving scripture answers that are going to help you wield and battle better. Because we need more of God, not just more from God. I'm going to say that again because some of y'all didn't get it. I said we need more of God, not just more from God. Which causes us to, leads us to number three. We're going to live a life with nothing left. We're going to live a life. With nothing left, takes us to this story. It's actually a movie produced in the mid to late '90s, and uh, it was actually on VHS. Uh, And sorry, kids, Uh, VHS were these little things that had movies on them, and you put them in a VCR and you hit play. Dang it! Okay, a VCR was this thing that could play. I'm I'm just kidding. But it was a movie that came out in the 90s and it had this idea of a superior human race, but not a ethnicity race, a superior human race. So they found a way to genetically modify bloodlines so that they would make sure that they always had superior races. And so what happened is there were two brothers, Vincent and Anton. And so uh, Vincent was an inferior, uh, inferior brother and Anton was the superior brother. And so they constantly. Vincent decided that he was going to be constantly going after trying to be better than his brother. And so as he started trying to become better than his brother, he never could. So he started practicing swimming a lot. And so one day they're swimming uh, in this huge lake that almost looked like the ocean. You couldn't even see the shore from the other side. And so as they start swimming, Vincent, who's inferior, he's not as good. His bloodline isn't built that way. He starts swimming and so... Anton starts swimming after him and, but Vincent really starts to pull away. So Anton decides he's got to catch up with him. So he starts trying to catch up. Vincent sees him starting to catch up. So then Vincent really turns on the jets and takes off. And as they swim and they swim and they swim, Anton, Anton can't seem to catch Vincent. And so they finally get a ways away from the shore where they were swimming and they're treading water about 20 feet away from each other and Anton goes, Vincent, how how did you do that? And then as soon as he says that, he turns around and he looks and realizes that he can't see the shore anywhere. He's tired. He's wore out. And he's looking around going, man, like, and he starts realizing. Like he, he says, Vincent, like, this was a mistake. We got to go back. And Vincent looks at him and says, that's how I did it. He said, I, I didn't save anything for the return trip. He said, we're so far now, We just got to go to the other side because we're closer to where we're going than where we used to be. For some of us in life, we're closer to where we're going than where we used to be. But the fear of not knowing how much further we have to go is causing us to stop where we're at. Hear me today, we got to keep going. Just like Vincent told Anton, he said, he said, I beat you because I swam with nothing left to go backwards. And today we need to be on a mission. I'm gonna live a life with nothing left. I'm not worried about how big a bank account I can build. I'm gonna take care of my family. We're gonna, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying to give away everything. That's not what I'm talking about. You listen to God about how God wants you to be generous. What I'm saying is I'm not trying to build a kingdom for myself here. I'm trying to build a kingdom for God there. I'm gonna live with nothing left, no regrets. I'm not going to look back on my life and say, man, I could've, we could have won this many more people if we'd have done this, or we could have really been able to accomplish this if we would have spent a little more, or gone a little farther, or, or tried a little harder. You know, I'm never going to be content with just how many people we reach if we could have reached just one more. And in life, we have to be that way. Erwin McManus puts it like this. He says, after all, what do we have to lose? For some of you, this is going to hit home we weren't supposed to amount to anything anyways. If failure is our inevitable future, then let's fail boldly and fail forward. But whatever happens, let's not hide behind the excuse that we didn't give it everything we had. Perhaps the life we long for is beyond the point of no return. And I'm here to tell you today that perhaps the life that you're longing for is beyond the point of no return. Perhaps the purpose, perhaps the victory, perhaps the blessing for you that you're longing for is beyond the point where you can't create a safety net for you anymore. You gotta just start giving it all to God. But here's what I know. The more we start giving this to God, the more we start giving our battles, our frustrations, our anxieties, our concerns, the more we start giving our struggles, the more we start giving what we're going through to God so that he can be victorious over those, it lets us put our attention on the things that we need to be paying attention to. And that's the people that God wants us to reach. John Maxwell recently spoke at a conference that I was at. He said, there's only 4% of the churches in the world, or in the country, that are evangelical. That means that are reaching lost people. Only 4% of churches in the country are reaching lost people. What are the other 96% doing? I don't know, but nonetheless. He said with that, over over 40% of the nation now doesn't claim to know Jesus. So let's call it 50. Many of you are in the corporate world. Could you imagine if your CEO or CFO or if your boss found out that in the market you work in, 50% of the market share is still up for grabs. If they could change a few things, they start going after them. How many of y'all know they would be going after them in a heartbeat? How many of y'all know corporate America will be all over that? 50%. Yeah, that's where we're going. You want to know why? Because the corporate corporate world cares more about sales than the church cares about souls. But how many of y'all know we're not going to be that way? We're going after lost people. Just one more is worth it. Luke 15.8 says this, And talked about a woman losing the coin. That's where the verse that our code comes from today. Or what woman having 10 silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it? This is a search and rescue mission. How many of y'all ever lost your phone before? Tell me that ain't the most frustrating thing in the world. And you can't call it because you don't have it. How many of you know when you were looking for your phone, you didn't care about your keys in your hand? You weren't like, well, at least I've got my keys. How many know until you found your phone, that was all you cared about? Can I get amen on that? How many know until you found your phone, nothing else kind of mattered? Well, until we find the people who are lost that we need to be found, man, we're gonna act like nothing else matters. We're gonna love each other. We're gonna take care of our church, but we're going after lost people. So what if our life, much like Johash's arrow, never reaches its full potential until it's put into flight? What if there's more in you, but saying yes, becoming activated. That's why growth track is important. Activate who you are in the purpose that God has in you. We'll kick that off next week during the 1030 service. You can come to the nine o'clock service, then go to the 1030 service, become active. Start plugging into that purpose. Peter Johansson, The story I started off with in the beginning about the surfer. So he's coaching, he's teaching lessons. And this little man, about eight years old, his name was Benjamin. So he starts giving little Benjamin surf lessons. I don't know if you've ever seen an eight-year-old on a surfboard. That's probably hilarious. But so little Benjamin is, is surfing. And so at one point he paddles out and he's supposed to go out and catch a little wave and come back in. And Peter looks down at something for a minute. And by the time he looks up, Benjamin is way further out than he should be. He's way out there and he's hunched up and he's curled up into a ball on a surfboard and he's terrified and Peter can't get him to come back in. So in that moment, what Peter had to do is decide, you know what? I got to go back into the water that I never wanted to go back into to reach the person that I needed to get out. So he goes after Benjamin and it's not too long into the water that he realizes why Benjamin's not moving and that's cuz there's sharks all around his board. So Peter looks at him and in that moment has to make the decision in the tension to say the person I'm going to have to fight my fear to reach the person because he's worth it. And so he fights his fear. He swims over to Benjamin, pulls him onto his board, takes him to shore, saves him from the shark infested waters, battles his fear. And that would have been enough, right? Because Benjamin's amazing. So he gets him in and man, his little, his little buddy's safe now. What he didn't know was Benjamin's dad was the chief financial officer of the largest hotel chain in Hawaii. So, When Benjamin's dad pulls up and Benjamin tells him what happens, his dad is so excited that he hires Peter. And Peter becomes second in charge to the CFO of the largest hotel chain in Hawaii. But it only happened when Peter cared more about Benjamin than he cared about his fear. Hear me today. You'll get the blessings of God when you start going after the children of God. Because there's nothing more important to God. God isn't concerned about your financial issues. He's already got victory over that. But if you'll take your mind off of that and put it on who you can bring into the kingdom, if we can start getting beyond our fears, getting beyond our battles, getting beyond our anxieties and start going after lost people, God will give us victory in all the areas of life that we're battling if we become more consumed with who we're going after than what we're trying to get through. Hear me today. This is a search and rescue mission. We'll never let this lifeboat become a yacht club. But while you're in the battlefield, while you're rowing that lifeboat, while you're going after people, you're going to come against battles, but be more concerned with the people you're going after than the struggles you're going through. And when God gives you victory in this, it'll be when you're reaching people over here. And as we bring it all together, we can see God's kingdom go to amazing places and accomplish amazing things on this earth as we take people from where they are and help them become who God wants them to be. It's worth it because just one more will always be our heartbeat and let's go after God's people. Can I get an amen today? Let's pray. Father, we thank you God, we thank you that you've chosen us. We thank you that you've destined us. We thank you that you spoke purpose into our life. So God, where the battles have become a little bit tiresome, where we've gotten weary in the midst of the war, God, I pray that you just speak life into us. Breathe air, breathe life back into us, God, and let us become more concerned with your people that you're looking for than our battles that we're going through. So God, we trust you today. We love you today. And we say thank you that you've already won our victory for us. In Jesus' name, with every head bowed and your eyes closed in here today, maybe your battle that you're still fighting is the eternal one. You see, when we die, when our life is over, there's heaven where God is and there's hell where God's not. And if you wanna experience heaven, if, if there's a pulling on your heart today that you know sin is separating you from God, but because Jesus died on the cross and he paid for your sins, All you got to do is believe in him and you can receive eternal life. And today, if that's you, today, if you want Jesus to give you a brand new start and you're ready to watch God give you a new beginning, you're ready to say yes to God and yes to heaven. Today, if you want to know him, I want to pray for you. And I'm not going to come to you. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to point you out. We just want to lead you in a prayer that's going to confess that you're putting your faith in Jesus today. And so if that's you, you say, that's me, Pastor. I want a brand new start. I want God to give me that new beginning in Jesus' name. If that's you, would you just raise your hand right where you're sitting? Say, that's me, Pastor. God bless you. Awesome. Yes. Hands are going up. Yes. Awesome. Once you put them up, you can put it down. Like I said, we're not here to embarrass you. We just want to pray for you today. We believe that God is ready to give you a new beginning. Is there anyone else that says, that's me, Pastor. I'm ready for a new beginning and I'm ready for a fresh start. Awesome. Maybe you're watching us online right now and you're saying, that's me. I need a new start. I need a beginning with God where my sins are forgiven in a clean slate where I'm going to give a, live a life going after God. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray this prayer together. And this prayer doesn't make you saved. Your faith in Jesus alone is what makes you saved. But this prayer confesses with our mouth what we're believing in our heart. It puts words to the actions of our heart that Jesus is now in control of our life. So we're gonna pray it together and the whole church is gonna pray it with you so you're not praying by yourself. Say, dear Jesus, forgive me. Forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of my wrongs. Make me clean. Make me pure. Make me whole. I believe that you died on the cross and I believe that you rose three days later through your life, through your death, And through your resurrection, I can be saved. So I believe in you. I give you my life. Make me brand new. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. TC, let's put our hands together for all those that prayed that, perhaps for the first time. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Thank you so much for listening today. To make sure you never miss a message, be sure to subscribe to our channel. It would also mean so much to us if you would leave us a review. For more information about our church or to contact us, please feel free to visit our website at transformationchurch.com. And if you want to connect with us on Instagram and Facebook, just search at Transformation Pensacola. Join us next time for another message from one of our pastors as we see people transform from who they are to who God wants them to be.